Blog Talk Radio. Finally, tonight, no matter how you feel about the immigration debate in America, there is no debate about how significantly current policies can affect some of the youngest members of society. Tonight, John Blackstone has a case in point. A group of fourth graders who are rallying not for a cause, but for a friend. There has been an empty seat for months now in the fourth grade classroom at Jefferson Elementary in Berkeley, California. Ten-year-old Rodrigo Guzman isn't there. How long have you known Rodrigo? Since kindergarten. His classmates, Amina Diaby and Kaya Daniels. He's really smart and he has a lot of friends. Rodrigo was just 16 months old when family came to the U.S. on a tourist visa. To him, this has always been home. He came into the fourth grade already reading at a fifth grade level. Teacher Barbara Wenger was first to learn that Rodrigo and his family had been deported. Their visas had expired. They are barred from the U.S. for at least five years. Sharing news with a 10-year-old that their classmate couldn't be here because of where he was born, it doesn't make sense. Did you understand what was happening? No. Did you understand why? No. Rodrigo's absence was just as baffling for twins Kyle and Scott Kuahara. I just wasn't really familiar with, like, immigration laws and Congress people and stuff like that. It shouldn't take five years to apply for a new visa because that's a long time to be away from your friends and family. You decided something should be done about this? Yes. What they did was take the case of their friend to the Berkeley City Council, to the streets, and to the White House. Dear President Obama, please bring Rodrigo home. The students' activism shouldn't be surprising, perhaps, in a class where they've been studying civil rights leaders. The message is... You don't just stand back. You try to do something about it. They all stood up for their rights and for what they believed in, so now we're trying to stand up for Rodrigo's rights. This summer, several of the fourth graders hope to visit Washington to personally lobby for Rodrigo's return. Scott has a message for his classmates still in Mexico. You shouldn't give up hope because your friends are... Uh, here to support you. As America debates immigration reform, there is a class full of fourth graders ready to testify that no matter how Rodrigo Guzman got here, he belongs here. John Blackstone, CBS News, Berkeley, California. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Make no mistake about it tonight, as we are on the brink of a major issue facing this nation. Tonight we deal with the issue, immigration crisis in America, refugees and terrorists. What in the world is going on? This is AJC Radio. It kicks off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams, and the entire AJC radio team tonight. As we address this issue, I'll tell you that is troubling as the Ninth Circuit Appellate Court deliberates, if you will, on oral arguments made today about the Trump travel ban 
affecting a nation in a very serious way. And we're going to deal with that tonight in addressing the innocent of this type of action and executive order. Lisa, the disclaimer for our listeners, please. None of us at AJC Radio are lawyers, and we do not provide legal advice. Although we go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a lawyer if you want legal advice. In this time of misinformation, government-controlled media, and government corruption, it's sometimes hard to get to the truth, but we must try. It's not our intention to libel or discriminate against anyone, and the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And we want to thank you for tuning in and spending a little bit of your evening with us. And thank you for that, Lisa. Uh, feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to dial in. This conversation is going viral, if you will, on every social media and every place on the Internet right now as hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people uh, that are affected by the travel ban dilemma, if you will. Feel free to dial into the show. We're at 319-527-6216. That's 319-527-6216. And Dennis, talking about this prior to coming on on the air tonight, uh, some very serious issues here, children, uh, women, uh, babies who have absolutely uh, posed no threat to this country on any level uh, are being blacked out. But luckily, this judge... A federal judge came in and said, we're going to stop this right now. And uh, that's what they're arguing as the appellate court, the Ninth Circuit, takes a look at this. Uh, I saw a report of a young baby uh, that was needing surgery to get into this country, needing to get into the country for emergency surgery. An infant, a young, young baby uh, that needed help, was actually affected by this ban. And the bottom line was, as they said when they did the broadcast on this young child, if that baby does not make it to the United States, there's only one option. She dies. He dies. I'll tell you right now, this is serious business, and I applaud the, the folks that have said we are not going to sit back and let this happen. There's, there's one thing that's called politics. There's another when lives begin to be lost, in innocent lives, with this political move uh, being uh, brought in, at least ultimately forced on the American people. It's, this is a good thing that's happening right now, at least. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome, but you, you got to think about it, too. It's such a rash decision that was made. You know, I don't think there was nothing put into it. Nobody looked at the consequences, uh, what was going to happen when, we, when, we, when the president said, okay, I'm going to do this executive order, and we're going to start banning people from coming to our country. You can't do it like that. You got to do it right. I mean, you, I understand they're trying to use the play the role that it's all about, the, you know, American safety. But, yeah, we believe in America's safety, but let's do it right. You can't just automatically just say, I'm just going to ban these, these people from this country and not look at the effects, the after effects that's going to take place because it's affecting everything. It's affecting our military. It's affecting our economy. It's, it's affecting a lot of different areas. And then, like you said, the lives of people. That child could have died. At the end of the day. At, yeah, at yeah. the end of the day. Had not that, that judge stepped in. But come on, let's do the right thing and let's do it right. No, absolutely. And that's something that we have to pay attention to. Uh, these, are, these are serious issues here. Uh, I was actually uh, on Facebook the other day, I believe it was Sunday, uh, and actually saw a video that I ended up sharing with everyone uh, that I knew on Facebook and put it on my page. It said, refugees does not mean terrorism or terrorists. I think there's a problem or a misunderstanding uh, that's being portrayed, if you will, that if you're a refugee, you're connected to terrorism. 
it's not true. And on the video, it started. It showed the kids running. These. Let me tell you the difference between a refugee and a terrorist. A terrorist wants to bring terror on this nation. A refugee is running from terror, looking for peace, which America has been the beacon of light for those that were running from horror where they could find peace and opportunities. And I'll tell you right now, this is something that has to be addressed. It has to be looked at. And I don't care what political side of the aisle that you may be on tonight. The bottom line is this. America was known for the humane treatment of individuals, those that needed, they looked to America, they looked to New York City, they looked to the Statue of Liberty and said, if I can only get there, something good will happen for me. And it's my understanding, Cliff, uh, Trump's father was an immigrant uh, when he came to this country. So as we start making decisions, well, you don't belong or you don't belong, well, guess what? There's a lot of people in this country right now that don't belong. That didn't belong. That is, and reason you're here because of those people. And the bottom line, if you're not Native American, you are an immigrant to America. Some kind of way, your family got here. You were not born on this continent. But the whole idea of America is a place where people can seek refuge. That we're looking for, of all things, religious freedom. And then to have a band to say, okay. Uh, and, and, and to try to say it's not a Muslim ban, I mean, I mean, come on, that 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 was old the day that they, uh, you know, that they that they started. Oh, it's not a Muslim ban. It's just a ban on Muslims. It makes absolutely no <laughs> wow. sense. It's like wow. it's like. But you the ban is about religion. And no matter what religion you are, if you look at how America was found, it was founded by people running away from tyrants from dictators to say, I want to be able to worship God uh, the way that I want to. And now to have, uh, you know, our, our president saying that we're coming up with this band. And then, you know, the little baby Fatima that needed heart surgery. And her uncle said, I mean, got on national TV, said she is not a terrorist. Look at her. She's four months old. There's no, you look in her diaper. There is no bomb in there. The baby needs surgery. It is totally, totally ridiculous, and it goes against everything that America stands for. And for them to say, oh, no, this is, uh, you know, a constitutional right of the president to, and to ban whoever he wants from, the, from America. Well, the, con- the Constitution allows him to not allow entry, but, you, but there are certain things that the con- Constitution lays out so you cannot ban a person because of their religion. You cannot ban a person because of their uh, because of their race or their creed, that is the whole idea of the Constitution to say every man is created equal. And then they make the, the well, no, you, the Constitution doesn't apply to foreigners. The Constitution still tells America how we do our business. And and for them to try to say that that the Constitution does not have any bearing on this ban is totally totally insane. But that's why the uh, federal judges said uh, we're going to put a restraining order against. And you know what I think is the most stupid about things is that you've got these seven countries that he's uh, not allowing people in from. We have never had one American citizen killed by someone from any of these countries. We've never had one. So how about if you're going to ban somebody, ban the place where, we, where 90% of Americans are killed. Do that. No, you're going you're gonna to pick out countries that have never attacked U.S. citizens, that have never killed U.S. citizens, and say none, none of you guys are allowed to come. But then you want to say that it's not based on religion or race or nationality it is based on that well it could be based on where his hotels are <laughs> that's, that's, true. Another, that's another issue homegrown 
No, absolutely. That's something that absolutely, uh, again, needs to be addressed. And uh, these are things and issues uh, that we have to talk about. Uh, Judge, uh, Federal Judge James L. Robert uh, is the gentleman that uh, uh, said, no, we have a problem with the Constitution here. This order can cause extreme harm to a lot of people. That was his position on it. That is what uh, the Constitution uh, of the United States uh, is there to uh, you have a system of checks and balances, and there's a reason why when you see this type of action, this type of activity happening, uh, something that just cannot be tolerated. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people on the Republican side uh, and the Democratic side, of course, that are like, what in the world is going on in this country? Come to find out the information uh, as far as this executive order was not vetted properly. Due diligence was not looked into by the staff of the Trump administration, those people that are supposed to see, to look, to check, to make sure there were no issues that could rise like this. Uh, and I'll tell you, they missed, they missed the whole point here. Uh, we're going to deal with that issue tonight. Also going to be joining us tonight, immigration attorney uh, Claudia Slavinsky, uh, widely regarded as one of New York City's top immigration and national, nationally, nationally, excuse me, uh, attorney. She has over 35 years of experience in the field, founded her firm, Claudius uh, Slavinsky and Associates. She's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour to get her insight and input on what she is seeing take place. Uh, and we're looking forward to that uh, conversation as well. Ladies and gentlemen, again, feel free to dial into this show tonight. This needs to be talked about. The dialogue needs to get started. And I'll tell you, this is a hot topic. Not only right now, it was definitely uh, a week ago, Lisa, as we uh, journey to Washington, D.C. on our nation's capital. And I'll tell you what, it is the talk of Washington of what's going on in this nation right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone is, I mean, it's like everyone's on pins and needles up there. Just not know, every, everything's kind of uncertain. People are so unsure as to what's going to happen, how things are going to flow. I mean, we had one man that told us, you know, I mean, this is what's going on today. There's no telling what's going to happen tomorrow. You just kind of stand there and wait to see what's going to hit you when you get up the next morning. So I think it's a lot of uh, wow. uncertainty on, on, the cap, in, in, on, on Capitol Hill right now. No, without question. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, as we salute our members of Congress to this 100, I believe 115th Congress. Uh, we salute you tonight uh, for your efforts, your work uh, that you're doing up there. This is, this is unprecedented in this country. We have never seen anything on this magnitude uh, happening uh, in our nation. And again, uh, we're going to see what comes out at the end of this, and we'll continue looking. Ladies and gentlemen, join us on the other side of this break. Tonight's show, Immigration Crisis in America. Have we mistaken refugees as terrorists? What are we doing? What is a five-year-old going to do to this nation? What is a, a child pulled from their mother's arms out of nowhere going to do to, to protect this nation? And to Lisa's point, seven nations selected by the administration, not one terrorist attack. That's a big deal. And we salute, and our, our thoughts are with the three judges on the, ninth, on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals who are actually looking to take a look at this, and that would be uh, Judge Richard Clifton, Judge William Kenby, and Judge Michelle Friedland, they were uh, making arguments today. I heard a, a, a portion of that. Uh, I'll tell you what. Stand by. This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. On the other side of the break, immigration crisis in America, and that's happening right now. 
We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of AJC Radio and a campaign that we have started that is underway entitled Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This program is new to AJC Radio, but it is an exciting time when we take a few moments every Thursday evening to highlight members of Congress, their initiatives that are not only important to them, their constituents, and the nation as a whole. We invite you every Thursday to tune in to AJC Radio to hear your congressman or your senator and their initiatives that are here to shape a nation and to bring about change. We invite you cordially, and as we fight for justice, as we seek justice daily, we'll come together as not only the American people. Join us every Thursday for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. God bless you, and as always, God bless America. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Black History Month is a month of celebration, uh, a month of, you know, how far we've come, uh, our past, our people of today, uh, just a celebration of all black culture. The opportunities that we have today would not exist without the sacrifices uh, of those before us. They really paved the way for us. The things that really matter during the month is just to continue to push forward make sure we continue honoring those thoughts and, you know, those individuals. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot, but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we want to give a very special invitation to you tonight and every day thereafter. If you're struggling with addiction issues, the shortest treatment and recovery is the place to go. If you have any questions, dial 1-888-975-4105, or you can contact Stephanie King, the champion for those that fight this battle. Her number is 720-305-2621. You can go to www.theshoresrecovery.com. There is a way out. There is an answer. Let's do it together today. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. And I'll tell you what, right now there's a need for law enforcement, the judicial branch, the executive branch. I'll tell you what, things are in disarray right now in this nation. And one clear point, immigration crisis is happening right now. I like to call the show Immigration Crisis 2017 because what is happening is unprecedented. And I'll tell you right now... We're going to address these issues, the children, the women, and what is the logic behind, outside of hiding behind, for the safety and security of the United States. Uh, I'm telling you what, the argument doesn't stand to reason. We're going to get into that discussion right now as we begin to talk about these issues that continue uh, to plague us. Uh, Dennis, I'll tell you, what do, what do we need to do as a country? Now, there's a lot of people marching. There's a lot of people saying, I don't agree. There's a lot of people saying, this is nonsense. And I'll tell you what, Cliff, you made a good point uh, 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 regarding a, a lady who actually voted for Donald Trump. But I'll tell you what, you may have voted for Donald Trump. Doesn't mean you have to agree with every action that he does as an American citizen. Cliff, tell us a little bit about that conversation uh, you were telling us uh, during the break. Yeah, we have a, a citizen in Arizona who lives close to the wall and uh, watches uh, – across back and forth and uh she said that you know she she voted for donald trump uh she wants him to do well but his idea of putting a wall in between mexico and america okay and we have there we go clip a little yeah. technical difficulties there clip go ahead yeah so she's saying that you know if they build a 20-foot wall that the you know the the people use a 21 foot ladder and get over the wall, which oh, is, wow. I mean, it, it's so, it's a simple, uh, common sense theme that you can't put up a wall and think that's going to keep people out or keep people in. It has to be something more than that. I mean, they can put a hole in what, make a tunnel through the wall, camouflage well, it. And, uh, and there you go. You have, well, a, you have a billions and billions of dollar built wall that is doing absolutely nothing. Well, I'll tell you what, to that point, um, you know, back in the, Al Capone days, if you will, uh, there were tunnels built under cities. Uh, if there's a top of a wall, it can be mounted and it can be climbed. If folks can, what's the what's the famous uh, is it what's the famous mountain, the highest, the, the tallest mountain in the world? Mount Everest. If that can be climbed and maneuvered, I think a wall can be maneuvered as well. I mean, let's just think logically as human beings. Tell me one thing that has been totally foolproof that people could not find a way 
there's it nothing. If it I mean, doesn't exist, man made it to the moon. A wall is not going to stop me from. Well, I mean, it's not going to stop people from getting in. It just it makes no sense. Well, I mean, the reality of this whole thing is, is that I mean, you talk about a twenty foot wall. You're talking about well, almost two thousand miles of a wall, and you talk about taxpayers. I don't care what what is being said. I don't think Mexico is going to pay. Oh, they've 12, already made that clear. Twelve to fifteen billion dollars for a wall. And this is not something that's just going to go up overnight. I mean, I, I, some some reports said it would take almost four years for them to build that wall. You know, so so now now that was you know looking at a news source saying that. But I mean, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And then when you talk about you know the travel ban, you're talking about another effort to keep people out of a country of our country, but. Really, the way I look at it is it's almost like bigotry because what you're doing is you're saying if you're from this country or from one of these seven countries, you can't come in. You can't come here. And the, the thing about that is if we allow that to have precedence, then what's to say another country can't be added to that list or another country and so forth and so on. So now the list just continues to grow. So all of a sudden we go from seven to ten to 15 countries on this list that are saying for some reason you know for some some reason politically we will not let you enter our country because of you know whatever reason and and so it's a bad precedent but if america you know if if, if we lose our compassion and that's what we're built down we're built we're, we're a country that has compassion but when you start talking about walls and you start talking about keeping people out you got to understand when you keep people out, you keep people in because the rest of these countries are going to do the same thing. They're going to say, you know what? You're not allowing us into your country. We're not going to allow you into ours. So if that's the type of country we're looking for in America that loses, you know, it's compassion and it's all about my country, my United States of America, all this, this rhetoric. Well, then there's going to be a price to pay. Well, I don't think it says my United States, but I understand your point. This says the United States of America. Number one, united. United. United does not separate people when you are united. I'll share the story with you. Marco Gonzalez left for Guatemala on December 30th after 20 years of living in the United States, a place where he had raised five American-born children. Marco Gonzalez complied with the deportation order and left the United States on December 30th. It was 4 a.m., a few days after Christmas, when Mr. Gonzalez's children last saw their father, they had grabbed hold of his suitcase in the living room, crying and begging him to stay. But Marco Gonzalez was facing a deportation order, and he complied. He left for Guatemala after 20 years of living in the United States, a place where he had raised five American-born children, bought and fixed up a modest two-story house in Detroit, and worked as a pool builder for more than a decade. But a bad check from 15 years ago cost him everything. On December 30th, Mr. Gonzalez, 42, hugged his children goodbye in his family home, giving each of them a $20 bill before he left. And he said, I will always stand by you, just don't cry. I will come back one day, recalled his 12-year-old daughter, Mika, who, along with her siblings, tried to give her dad the money back, but he refused. I just want my dad back, Malika said, wiping away her tears. Gonzalez, who bought his own $320 plane ticket back to Guatemala, is among hundreds of thousands 
of immigrants who are getting deported annually in record numbers. Though the trend may be shifting, deportations dropped in 2013 after four straight years of steady increase under the the Obama administration, according to U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Nearly 369,000 people were deported in fiscal year 2013, down about 10% from a previous year. Unfortunately for Mr. Gonzalez, though, Guatemalans continue to be among the top deportees. In 2013, Mexico remained at the top of the list with 241,493 deportees, followed by Guatemala, which saw 47,769 people kicked out of the United States. Some key points, about 369,000 people were deported in fiscal year of 2013. Mr. Gonzalez arrived in the United States after fleeing rebels in Guatemala who had abducted him. So, can somebody help me understand this? Marco Gonzalez left Guatemala running for his life after being abducted and a victim of a crime in his country. He came here to the United States looking for help, established help. Had his, his boys were born here. And you deport this man, basically giving him a death sentence to go back to the wars and, the, and whatever he left there. Can somebody tell me how much sense that makes? It makes no sense. I mean, the definition of a, of a refugee is a person seeking refuge. And to then say that, oh, those refugees, this is where terrorists come from, that is the – I mean, I, I don't even know what to call that state. It makes absolutely no sense. People seeking refuge are trying to get to America because this is the home of the, the land of the brave and the home of the free. It, this is the place that people run. America has always been that land of opportunity, of religious freedom, of of you know you can you can go to America and you can be yourself. And for for anybody to I mean, I think I think that is the worst part of it is to call refugees terrorists. But that's because, what they're doing. So. Yeah, I mean, these are the people who are saying, I'm running from a tyrant. I'm running from a dictator. I was abducted like the story you just read. I was abducted by, you know, by by a, a group of people who wanted to do me nothing but harm. I'm running to America and then you send them back to the to the harm, the danger the uh, the tyranny that they that they ran from and separating families it is totally insane and it's totally against what America is about. Well, and it goes further that he talks about that uh, Mr. Gonzalez arrived in Florida in 1993 after fleeing captivity from rebel forces who abducted him while he was working in the fields with his father. They placed a sack over his head, held him captive captive for months in the mountains and put him in a cave for three days, hands bound to feet when he tried to escape. And you're telling me this man, Mr. Marcos Gonzalez, is a threat to the national security of the United States. Not only did he come to America and establish himself, built his own home, raised his children, went to work every day. What, What crimes did he commit? Not one. And this is what I'm talking about, the common sense that needs to be applied to the immigration reform in this country. The common sense, the human decency is what we're talking about. And I'll tell you right now, this conversation will become more and more 
uh, as we get on with this conversation. Right now, let's turn the page as we uh, welcome Claudia Slavinsky, an immigration's attorney, and so privileged and honored to have her with us. I'll tell you, a young lady that is fighting for immigrants across this land, and I'll tell you what, she's one of the best. Uh, Claudia, thank you, and welcome to our program. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really look forward to talking about this issue. Well, no, we appreciate you, and and I'm just going to give you the floor. I gave a little brief intro on you, Claudia, that uh, regarded as one of New York City's top immigration attorneys. Uh, you are recognized nationally. Uh, 35 years of experience in this field. Said, you know what? I'm going to start my firm. Tell the folks about yourself, and I want your thoughts as we get into this dialogue, as we've been talking about here. What in the uh-huh. world is happening to America? When we simply just are saying we don't care. Go ahead and I'll give you the right. floor to talk to people. Right, right, right. I think the, 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 the biggest thing about working in this field for such a long time is really seeing the sort of the trajectory of what's of a system that gets more broken year by year and where we are with it right now uh, in the face of an administration that clearly is out for um, blood and how damaging that is to people who are already here, families that are already here. And what I mean by a broken immigration system is that, you know, we've had so many years of um, a completely dysfunctional system that has resulted um, in what, 11, 12, 13, 14 million people here that are basically stuck with large portions, if not the vast majority, in uh, mixed families. So you'll, we represent, most of the families that we represent have some U.S. citizen members, um, some legal permanent resident members maybe, and undocumented people. And what's really what over the years has made it completely dysfunctional and has created this huge number of people that are, you hear people say who are really not familiar with the immigration system, well, just, you know, have them do it legally. Get to the back of the line and, you know, just why aren't they doing the paperwork to do it? As if though somehow people were volunteering to be in this powerless position of being undocumented in the United States and uh, needing to feed their families and raise their children here. Um, so it's not, there isn't a line to get in the back of in a lot of people's cases. Um, you know, one of the things that I just, I think is a stark example of that for folks that might not be familiar with the immigration system and how incredibly limited to the extent of non-existent opportunities. So if right. a legal, somebody who's legally living in the United States has a green card, right? They've been living here for years. They marry a foreign person. Do you know they have to stand in line? They have to get in the line to bring that spouse here. That could take years, three years, five years. So who is going to get into that line and say, okay, I'll live apart from my spouse for that kind of time? It's not realistic. There's so much of this, the immigration law that is not realistic. And one of the things that I've learned over these years is when you have laws that are unrealistic, people, circumstances cause them to not comply. 
What right. are those undocumented people that we have here? Are they criminals? Are they do they violate laws in other respects? Do they are they criminals? No, the vast majority of very law abiding people who are presented with a legal structure that's impossible to comply with. And every year we have more and more people in, in, in those circumstances. Are you going to leave your family and have somebody else raise your children so that you can comply with the immigration law that says you have to return to your country? And that's not even considering what it is that you've left or the reasons you left. I heard the, the, the case that you guys were talking about before about mm. the reasons that people come here. So it's, you know, you have an unrealistic system, you're going to have this kind of issue. And, you know, what we have, I think that what we had with Obama was unfortunate a whole lot in that he was, you know, as everybody knows, I guess at this point, that Obama deported more people than any other president. Um, At the same time, he tried to put in some of the fixes, some of the Band-Aids, to staunch the the flow of blood, you know, in the system, like for the young people who were brought here as kids, for example. He tried to what? do that for parents, you know, the parents' case of trying to do the same thing to allow uh, parents of U.S. citizen children to stay here, and that's what's been um, stopped by the courts so that it never right. went into effect. Um, so those are some of the things that I think, attempted to address these issues that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. about these unrealistic um, f- features of this law that just are impossible to comply with and, as and life, one, in real life, I'm, you know? Yes, it is. Claudine, one point I, I will point out is that the immigration problem in this country has happened far before Obama, the Obama administration, without question. This has been an ongoing oh, sure. issue for many administrations. Now, uh, I think what's unfortunate is that, of course, Obama very, very, uh, uh, I guess, really making a point with the DREAM Act, as you alluded to, to try to say what yeah. these are people who came to this country, at least in what I respect about President Obama, he made an effort to try to do something. Let's see if that, right. if that starts bouncing the ball to discussion, to dialogue, to say, look, and I don't understand any administration that would want to bother the DREAM Act. The Dream Act is is logical to say. Look, look all these. And we're, all these, I think. Go ahead, Claudia. It's telling. It's telling that um, you know part of his riled up Trump's riled up, you know, fear mongering, anti-immigrant mongering included like get rid of this executive action. All these executive actions, uh, yeah. you know, our orders are illegal. It's, of course, what has he done since the minute he got into office? issue all these executive orders, which is right. obviously we all recognize is incredibly hypocritical. But anyway, that the uh, it, it, that his campaign rhetoric, he's not jumped in first or yet to, uh, to, to try to abolish the executive order for the DACA, for the Dreamer kids. I think he's recognizing or he's being told that he's going to have to, tri- there's going to be, look at the pushback we have on this travel ban. Look oh, at exactly. this amazing surge of resistance. It's amazing. So I think that if you've got these kids who are, like you said, are like innocent, you know, chess pieces in this horrible game, 
if he goes after them, I think he's going to see a lot of uh, a lot of resistance, a lot of blowback, yeah, yeah. and it hasn't yeah. happened yet. So we'll see. We'll see. And uh, Claudia, you know, to your your point about the about the the immigration system and and how the laws are. Uh, you know, have basically failed the people that they were set in place to help. And, you know, what what we have to make sure that, you know, the listeners understand is that the the majority of the people who are coming in and who President Trump are trying to push out, I mean, we're talking about refugees. We're talking about people who have run to this country for help, who are, are being, uh, you know, prosecuted for religious reasons, who are being targeted by by groups that themselves and their families are in danger and or they're or they're coming looking for some opportunity because they are starving to death in whatever country right. that they came from and for you to then tell them okay get to the back of the line fill out paperwork and wait five to seven years and then we'll come talk to you and begin your process i mean a person is not running and putting themselves uh you know their lives on the line, like you know, uh, Trump's wall in 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 uh in in Arizona and Texas and such. The people who come from there, from Mexico to America, that traverse of uh, you you don't call that land, you don't call that uh, forest or desert. That is the conditions there. You're talking about. Uh, boiling and baking by day and then freezing by night for a person to put themselves in that type of danger, they're not coming over here with a with a backpack full of dynamite coming across oh, exactly. that, that type of land. They right. are running for their lives. A terrorist is not coming that route. It's like, no, I think I'll just I'll I'll go the route and try to become a citizen because you'll die out there in the Arizona desert. And people don't understand that the people who are coming across those conditions are saying, I, ha- I, ha- I don't have a choice. I have nothing to lose if I lose my life because my life is over already. Right, right, right. And that certainly has been the story of the vast majority of the um, mostly women and children who have crossed from Central America. You know, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador have become some of the most violent countries in the world with really – um, with no state control over crime, no law force that is really able to control this, and sometimes, in fact, law enforcement in collusion with criminal gangs and stuff right. because the corruption is so bad. So that, I mean, the stories you hear are just hair-raising about just being able to carry on a normal life, like being able to go to work and not being held up being extorted if you're a store owner. You know, people come to me with, you know, their brother was murdered in front of them by gangs and had and were being extorted for money, and if they didn't leave, they would die. And those are the folks who are traversing that desert you're talking about, and you know that you don't do that. Can you imagine doing that? Um, no. We don't even like... Uh, you know, how small the seats are on an airplane, right? right. <laughs> like taking that kind of a trip, uh, basically at your peril because, you know, putting your life at risk. So that it really just tells you. And then they come to this country and are being put in detention 
in a lot of cases. The government's been building facilities for families, keeping children detained Um, until there's removal proceedings. And, uh, you know, all this stuff is just, um, you know, obviously just getting worse. And the refuge, that's been going on for a while. What Trump has done with this executive order on the travel ban is really even a lower blow at our refugee system of, in an orderly fashion, vetting people who are, have that same fear of persecution, who are in another country in a refugee camp, and taking our responsibility as a, a nation, and we, you know, the United States long ago signed the Convention uh, for Refugees uh, back in the 65, and we have an international obligation to take in refugees who are processed abroad. These aren't people who are, you know, coming in over the border and asking for asylum. They're, those people are, everybody's um, asking for the same thing, protection from our country, from countries and, and um, places that are no longer able to protect them. They have to leave because their country is no longer able to protect them. Trump is taking a low shot at this very um, formal, long-time existing refugee program with incredibly extensive resources for um, screening people and saying, oh, no, they're terrorists, and we're going to cut that program, and it's an imminent threat. That is so... I think for the first time, because of this travel ban, you know, uh, the refugee organizations um, which handle all of that have finally, you know, really come out to American people to explain how extensive that processing is. We're talking about two years, three years. I've heard of cases five years where people are being extensively interviewed, background checks by many different agencies. You know, it's all, it's it's a cynical Attack. I, I don't think that they really think that these are. Uh, this is part of the fear mongering that this um, that this administration is built on. This administration is built on fear mongering, and this is part of it. You you uh, make the other that outside that person is outside, and they're a threat to our America, and it is so counter to our values and what this country was built on that it's That's shocking cool. to us. Yeah, I mean it, that that it tears at the very fabric of what America is. Is to absolutely. To, how how did we get built? Where did we come from? Yeah, exactly. We all came here from someone else, and it was because America, from the beginning, opened its door and said, "Because we are refugees, we are here running from the tyrant, running from those who are pers- who have persecuted us from." Are for our religious beliefs. We will, in our constitution, lay out that we will receive refugees from other countries and this administration has taken that and said we will basically you know try to impress our base uh quote unquote to to make them feel like we're on their side and again it tears at the very fabric of what exactly exactly world that um you know it it just Um, really you know yeah i have uh i mean you know you've got to have hope in the judiciary, uh, I just finished listening. You know, the um, 
argument yeah. in the Ninth Circuit on the restraining order was just finished. It was at 3 o'clock uh, in Seattle, and it was 6 o'clock here for an hour. And it was a very interesting um, it was an interesting oral argument on a very difficult kind of time frame. You know, lawyers aren't, you know, this is really difficult to do on such, you know, lawyers were given like 12 hours to write a brief. You know, that's kind of unheard of. Um, and, you know, the, the uh, attorney general for Washington State represented the plaintiffs. And, the, you know, you just hold your breath that the judiciary, that our three branches of government and the uh, balance of powers and the check and balances of power are going to work here. We really need it to work here because we have a president, we have an administration that is running amok and has really indicated within the first two weeks of the abuse of power that they are willing to go with. And if the judges do not step up and understand what it is that's going on and assert their counterbalance of power, you know, we're in for a hard time. No, without question, Claudia. Do you have, I understand uh, you have a, you're, on the, you're on the clock, really. Do you have time to come back on the other side of this break? Uh, we're going to discuss this a little further, get your closing thoughts. We don't want to keep you any sure. time beyond the time that you have. Uh, some ladies and gentlemen of America, some very vital information uh, that we're talking about here tonight. I want to share this with you before we go to break. What is a refuge? This is the definition of a refuge, which we thought or people thought America was about. Uh, it says a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger or trouble. Uh, something providing shelter. Uh, this is what. As, as Cliff alluded to, what is the very fabric of this nation, uh, this is critically important. That's what a refuge is. A refugee is a person who has been forced to leave their country in order to escape war, persecution, or natural disaster. They found that place in America, a place to come to. What is happening to this nation is tragic. We continue the discussion, immigration crisis in America, coming back with us with her remarks and her closing statements, Claudia Slavinsky, immigration attorney, very much involved with what's going on in this nation and fighting against this type of injustice. We're coming right back on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 525-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. I 
I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. She's coined a new term for the times we're living in. Brace for it, parents of America. Alternative facts. Alternative facts. What? Alternative facts? Lies. Also known as stereotypes or false narratives. It's like saying black history began with slavery. That's offensive. Or that we'll never see another black president in our lifetime. What about me? This Black History Month, we're focusing on the facts, not on on facts. Indisputable. Truth. Real. Black girl magic is real. Black boy joy is real. Black wealth is real. Black beauty is real. Black support is real. Black excellence is real. It's real. Black love, that's real. Black lives are real. I'm real. Black history didn't begin with slavery, and it doesn't end with the Obamas. Whom we love and miss. No, like, really, we really miss you. Facts. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. This is AJC Radio. The song says it best, Lean On Me. And that is the, I believe, what we should be living by here in America. But tonight, we find America in crisis with its immigration situation. And this is something we must address as we find ourselves as a nation divided in the shadows, divided in the jungle of war, if you will, because this is exactly what it is, a separation, a dividing 
uh, an isolation, if you will, of people doesn't meet the definition of what I grew up knowing America to be. And we're going to address that issue. Joining us now again, Claudia Slavinsky. So honored and privileged to have her insight on this issue uh, in this country Thank right you. now. Thank you so much for taking time out tonight. I'm going to play a quick clip for you. You, you mentioned that there were separate or different type of centers, if you will, set up in America, isolating children and families into a confined, really sounds like a prison, a confined space or it building, uh, as they do. And this was a little, this was uh, uh, some years ago, but federal judge actually ordered the release uh, of immigrant women uh, and children from these particular facilities. I'm going to let you hear that clip. We're going to talk about it and get your closing remarks on that. Mm-hmm. A federal judge has ordered the release of thousands of women and children from immigrant detention centers in Pennsylvania and Texas, and she wants it done by this Friday. The undocumented immigrants are mostly from Central America. As Omar Villafranca reports, many have been held for months. Yanira Lopez-Lucas says she fled to America with her three children to get away from the violence in her home country of Guatemala. She says when they turned themselves into immigration agents at the border, they didn't expect the treatment they received. We are not criminals. The kids are not criminals. Yet we were treated like criminals, she says. 2,000 Central American women and children caught trying to cross the border are currently being detained at facilities in Dilly, Texas, or in nearby Carn City, just south of San Antonio, where the Lopez Lucas family spent more than two months in detention. Los niños se desesperan. The children were upset, were traumatized. They cried because they were closed in, says Lucas. These facilities are not set up to provide them with basic services. Mohammed Abdullahi is with the Refugee and Immigration Center for Education and Legal Services. He says the no-release policy and harsh substandard conditions for children violates a 1997 child detention settlement signed by federal immigration officials. We really call on the Obama administration to recognize Um, the families in these centers as folks that are fleeing violence, immense violence, and that they should be given protection. This isn't rocket science. Mark Krikorian heads the Center for Immigration Studies. If the message gets back to Central America that people are simply not being detained, of course more people are going to want to try to do that. Krikorian says the U.S. could see illegal immigration, like last summer's surge, where facilities were overwhelmed by tens of thousands of Central Americans who crossed illegally into South Texas. To make space, women and children were released on a promise to appear in court. But records show only about 15% of the women and half of the children showed up in front of a judge. ICE officials declined to go on camera, but U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson said in a statement, we must make substantial changes in our detention practices with respect to families with children. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, San Antonio, Texas. Well, there you have it, Claudia, and it goes to uh, what you were stating. Uh, as far as these places set up, and as you heard on that report, that, that they can't accommodate for basic needs. There has That's to right. be, this, and this is why immigrants, let me get your thoughts on it first, and we'll discuss it, Claudia. How, what message does this send? Uh, and again, this was, well, the Obama administration is only two weeks old, uh, so you're going to hear things regarding it, uh, the Trump, Obama administration yeah. ended yeah. 
Trump's only been in there two weeks. So that's why we find ourselves, right. people are talking about uh, the former administration because the Trump administration is so new. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Claudia, when you hear that? It's, it's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. What are your thoughts sure. on that? And it's in- inhumane. It's totally inhumane. And there certainly have been many challenges um, to that, including one lawsuit that actually is um, creatively, you know, correctly using state laws. You know, a lot of all states have rules about the kind of um, conditions that children can be uh, kept in in child care, in school, uh, nutrition, opportunities for education, uh, fresh air, playtime, all those things. You know, taking care of children is a, a very much a professional um, requirements that have to be met under any state rules. And these uh, prisons that they're putting the kids in violate, and, you know, you couldn't run a daycare center, for example, the way these jails are. So if that was in any other context, it would be shut down in a minute. And they, some of them have been shut down in that way. So, I mean, just the whole idea of keeping children and um, and uh, women and families in jail is, is really outrageous when they're fleeing. And I want to also say, going back to my immigration system, in that, you know, people are, like I said, they're, you know, fleeing outrageous situations, mostly, you know, mostly in Central America. In addition, many, many, many of them coming up, especially I'm in New York and the Northeast, um, but other parts of the country as well, are joining their family members. These are children, many of the unaccompanied minors that are coming across the border by themselves um, are coming to join their mother who has been here for years or their father who's been here for years. And that's a function of the broken immigration system because those parents haven't been able to regularize their status in order and have been here, many of them, for many, many years, that child's life, and are unable to regularize the status and bring those children here legally. So what you've seen is a natural instinct that all human families have to be together. Sure. And this is oh, what's absolutely. being criminalized. That's, that's, what's being, that's who's being jailed. Hmm. And we say that we protect the most vulnerable in America. No. We look out no. for the vulnerable, but we're not doing right. it. And, and uh, we also say that one of the big, uh, the main, one of the, the, the main functions, the purposes of the U.S. immigration law is family unity. You will hear that over and over again. And all that we've really, that the system has proven is that that's not true. Wow. Claudia, give us your thoughts. And again, we're gonna, we don't want to hold you past the time that you had agreed upon. Thank you so very much for your insight here. As America holds its breath uh, of what's yeah. going on, what is the next steps? Give us your We're thoughts. very worried that this yes. is going to get a lot worse. This is going to get a lot worse. You see this attention on the travel ban. What we're concerned about is at the same time that the other executive order about the interior of the country supposedly dealing with undocumented people here is going to end up with uh, right now, the U.S. government has 36,000 beds to hold people. And what we're concerned about is that that number that they are looking, scrambling 
to make that number grow and that we're going to see this vast um, raids and netting of people who have, in many cases, been living here for many, many years and that oh, this is just going to get worse. Let me add, maybe at the end of this, is one thing that maybe your um, listeners aren't aware of is that a person who is in threat of being deported is in many, many cases because of how long they've been here in this broken system in, is facing a penalty that is often much, much worse for them than spending a year in jail, for example, because they're losing their, they would be losing their family, their home, their livelihood, their family, their friends, their community. And when someone is um, criminally charged, they're entitled to a lawyer. When you are being charged with the portability, you are not entitled to a lawyer. So wow. if the system leaves it to being able to afford one or not, many people cannot afford a lawyer. So the same kind of reasons why, you know, Gideon B. Wainwright many years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that a person being charged criminally was entitled to free counsel really needs to apply to people who are being charged as being deportable. And we don't have that. And the results, very stark. People with lawyers in representing them in removal proceedings win their cases much, much more than people who do not. So we're going to, I'm, we're fearing seeing a system that's going to really crack down on a lot of people who have been here for many, many years, and they're going to be facing removal proceedings without counsel. That is un-America. No, without question. I'll leave you with that. No, Claudia, I, I thank you so much. If people need to get a hold of you, um, Tell the folks how they can reach you. I think the work that well, you're doing. Well, we have doing... a website. Okay. You know, it's uh, you know we have an office in uh, New York. We're a very experienced, very honest immigration law firm, and it's www.slovinsky.com, spelled S-L-O-V-I-N-S-K-Y.com. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. We appreciate uh, your work and what you're doing. Um, thank you for taking time to join us in this very important Great. conversation. And as we say, America holds its breath for the next right. step. Thanks for addressing these issues. It's really important. Oh, thank you. And we, you always thank have an invitation to come back and, and share your, uh, you have a platform here is what I'm saying. If you need to get your message Great. out, important. you've got a friend here at AJC Radio and Just Cause. We appreciate you so very much. Bye-bye now. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay, there you have it. Uh, this is heart wrenching stuff. Uh, when you're talking about America no longer being America anymore, uh, she makes a good point. Um, what is the motive behind President Trump here? Uh, you better understand one thing very clearly that the office of the presidency of the United States goes far beyond campaign promises. This isn't a campaign anymore. This is real life. These are real people that are suffering. This isn't a game. This is not a game. You're messing with people's lives, and uh, this is some interesting information. Lisa, you had talked about earlier the seven nations that have been uh, banned, uh, attempted to be banned in this travel situation. Uh, it says, according to a report from the Washington Post, at least 111 Trump companies 
have done business in 18 countries across South America, Asia, and the Middle East. Uh, Mr. Trump registered those companies under names including THC Jetta Hotel, DT Jetta Technical Services. The registrations even follow a pattern set by the entrepreneur of naming companies after the foreign cities. In this case, Jeda, the second biggest city in Saudi Arabia. President Trump signed an executive order to bar all citizens from Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Libya, Somalia, Yemen from entering the United States for the next 90 days. But President Trump left out Saudi Arabia. They were not included in the order. Despite most of those who hijacked airliners to attack New York and Washington, D.C. on 9-11, the deadliest terrorist episode in history being Saudis. Why then? And the question has to be asked. If your concern is the safety and the security of this nation, if you want to send a message, why then the, deadly atta- the deadliest attack on American soil that took place that will never be forgotten on 9-11? How is it does that country escape that ban? Would it be that because there are self-interests involved here? These are the tough questions we will ask and seek the answers. This is AJC Radio as we come back and continue Crisis in America, the Immigration Crisis is on center stage. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at one 855 529-4252. That's one 529 Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. Is 
I've been getting mixed messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women when I have such lousy role models? Boys are never going to approach you. Can you help me reshape my attitudes towards women? You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off from school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because they don't speak the language, it might be hard for them to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. Ladies and gentlemen of America, we extend a special invitation to you to join AJC Radio and our programming every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We will be addressing issues that definitely shape a nation and affect America's future. We will also be dealing with members of Congress shining the spotlight on our initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. You don't want to miss it, folks. Every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, AJC Radio makes a difference across the nation. We'll see you then. I stand for equality. I stand for individuality. I stand for peace. I stand for diversity. I stand for dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness.
the same color. When you turn off the lights. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, and tonight dealing with a very serious issue as we address the crisis in our country right now, and it deals with the immigration problem. Uh, everyone is, and we're very thankful for Claudia Slavinsky for joining us tonight, giving us her viewpoint as an immigration attorney, one of the largest firms in the country, dealing with immigration issues, and we are grateful uh, for what she has uh, uh, really contributed to help uh, immigrants in this country. We were talking during the break, uh, William, in regards to uh, something that was inspired by the Statue of Liberty. We talk about it all the time, that people were moved to come to this country for a reason. They found a way out from terror. They found a way to peace, to uh, entrepreneurship, all the things that come with starting a family, uh, raising your kids and being in a pe- place where you're not being led by a dictator. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is something that really hits home. A poem by Emma Lazarus, which was honestly motivated by the Statue of Liberty and what she saw in that. And this is what she says, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gate she'll stand. A mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the airbridge harbor that Twin Cities fame, frame. Excuse me. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretch refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless. Tempest toast to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. How profound is that? Written by Emma Lazarus about what inspired her. And I got to believe, William, these words go into what drove refugees from war, from trouble, from pain to a place called America. That's right. I mean, when you look at this, this is what was long seen, is still seen to this day as as the beacon of hope for those that are born, you know, someplace else that look to come here for what we we call the American dream. You know, the dream that if you work hard, um, you put forth the effort. There's opportunity here to build a life, to build a future for yourself and your family. But in that poem, it said one thing that really stood out to me. It says, Mother of Exiles, those that have been ran, you know, are seeking um, a new home, those that have been cast away and told to, uh, you know, to leave their home, you know, either by force or, uh, you know, from tyranny, oppression, whatever. And it says, This is the mother of. And what does a mother do? I mean, a mother has that nature of embracing and holding and loving and providing, you know, all these things. And so that's, this poem describes the country, our country, and the basis from which it was founded. It was wide open, shores wide open like arms, welcoming uh, those that were, you know, on the run. And so 
when you look at it, it's it's amazing. And right now, we are on the verge of challenging and changing the very foundation in which this country was well, based. And it's sad. Well, I'll tell you what, when you hear stuff like that, and, and Claudia's position, Cliff, uh, on this issue, 35 years of working with uh, the immigration in the system, all the things that she has seen, uh, and her insight on it tells a lot. And I'll tell you right now, uh, this is something that we have to uh, address uh, as an organization uh, and a platform to speak out against and to protect those. And I think that's perfect. The point you said, William, mother of exiles, those that have been excluded. And there was a point in this, in this with the immigration issues and stories that we have done research on where they said they had been part of America for so long when they had to return, they were a stranger in their own land. How difficult is that? They felt connected to America enough to feel like this was home. And you deport these people to a strange land and a place of terror, cliff, and a war and of all types of tragedies. Right. I mean, it's the same as when the, you know, the settlers came from, from uh, eastern United States and settled on the, on the, uh, on the plains and, you know, on the Midwestern plains and homesteaded there. You wouldn't take those people and say, okay, now we're going to take you and put you back, you know, in the in the forest back east. They would not feel welcome. You know, this is where they, you know, they hacked their living out of the wilderness. They set up their home. They, they uh, bore their children. And now you take that and you tear it apart. And, and that poem at Liberty State Park where it says her beacon, from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome telling everybody you're welcome in america this is the place that i mean when when it says that uh your the wretched refuse of your team in short that is talking about the refugees yes talking about the people who have been sent away who have been done wrong who have suffered under tyranny and and now saying okay the statue of liberty's torch is to welcome them to a land that you here, this is the land of the free. You're you're free to to uh, you know religious freedom, personal freedom. Everybody here is a human being, and you all hold the same class, the same status, and you can work your way up. And now we have an administration that says, if you're from a certain place, you can be a refugee. You can be running from your life, running for your life, but you're not welcome here. It goes against yeah. the very creed of what America is. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I used to hear the stories that refugees came from foreign lands on water, on boats, trying to seek freedom. Uh, that made you feel proud to be an American. That, and I think, to Cliff's point, uh, glows worldwide welcome. That means everyone. This is what separates America from dictatorship. For, for, to have a democracy where people can come and go as they please. What in the America is losing her way? Yes, yes, for sure. And we need to stand up and fight against that. Every American. When did you know what? That little child from Syria who's five, who's six, half of their face is scraped from a cement wall that is sitting in a chair and their parents are gone. America is the place for that kid to come. To find a new hope in the midst of loss, we have to address these issues 
We talked a little bit earlier about the DREAM Act, the importance. I remember the celebration that went up around the world, around this country, about President Obama. And we're going to address the president for what he did. He was seeking a way to bring relief to who? The most vulnerable. We see none of this in the travel ban by President Trump. Nothing that gives hope. We're going to hear, let's hear a little bit uh, from Senator Dick Durbin, who talked about the DREAM Act and the importance and the purpose of that act. Ten years ago, I received a phone call in my Chicago senatorial office. A mother was calling me. She was a Korean-American immigrant, had three children, and her oldest daughter was nothing short of amazing. She was an accomplished concert pianist who had just turned 18 and had been accepted to Juilliard School of Music in New York. When they were filling out the forms for her to go to school, her daughter asked about her citizenship, and her mom said, you know, I don't know. We didn't file any papers when we brought you here to America. So they called my office, and we looked into it. And we found out that legally speaking, the answer was simple. That daughter had to leave the United States and go back to Korea, a country she had never known. Leaving America, where she'd gotten in the classroom every day to say the Pledge of Allegiance to our American flag and only knew one place. She'd done very well in life, but the laws weren't open to her becoming part of America. I didn't think that was right. To punish her for something she hadn't done wrong, it was just unfair and unjust. So I wrote the Dream Act. The DREAM Act says if you were brought here as a child, you have good moral character, and attend college or enlist in the military, we're going to give you a chance to be legal in America and contribute to this country. The kids we're talking about are not a drain on society. They're the honor roll students, the star athletes, the talented artists, the class valedictorians. They're tomorrow's doctors and nurses and teachers, policemen, firefighters, soldiers, and maybe senators. And they deserve an opportunity to make this a better nation. Today, I'm introducing a new version of this bill in Congress. I hope this is the year we can finally make these kids' dreams come true and pass the DREAM Act. We should stand up for these kids. They will help our military, and they'll help our economy. Equally important, it's the right thing to do. Well, there you have it. Uh, And when you hear that, Cliff, I mean... (laughs) This elected official, Senator Dick Durbin, said, I'm going to take another step further and see what I can do. See, this is, again, about the human spirit of America. He was under no obligation to do that. But he was moved by what? The right thing to do and what America represents and what it stands for. Look at the outcome here. And see, this is what I'm talking about, Cliff, and I'm going to get your thoughts on it. The DREAM Act, as he stated, is to help those kids – who've known nothing but America is home. They're going to college. They're, uh, they're striving to be somebody. They're athletes. They're entrepreneurs to be in the... These are people who contribute to America. How do we thank them and say we welcome you and kick you out when all you're doing is everything that any other American is striving to do? How do we deal with that? Your thoughts, Cliff? I mean, it, it boils back down to, you know, common sense legislation. You have a person who's been here 20, 30 years, like, okay, I grew up here. I was born here. I was raised here. I'm going to school. I, uh, I joined the military. This is my country as much as it is uh, anyone else. And the thing is, like I said before, if you're not a Native American, then you came here 
as an immigrant. You came here, uh, you know, as a person that, you know, your, your family came here looking for a better way. And that opportunity should be afforded to everybody. That That is just normal, you know, uh, the, the right of being a human. You have the right to pursue happiness. And that is the bottom line. No, absolutely. And, and we were talking earlier even about, uh, uh, Dennis, the, how military families have been a, are being affected as far as the immigration problem, deporting problem. Tell us what you've learned. Yes, with our military, I mean, it's, it's, you would think that uh, after you've served this country, we've got a lot of soldiers that have been to Afghanistan, Iraq. Uh, they came back, and, of course, uh, they didn't do the right thing. They didn't know and uh, found themselves deported. I mean, you would think that, that naturalization would be automatic. You know, that would be part of the, uh, you know, the basic training. You know, once at a time, at one time it was like that. But now it's not like that. Now they, they, they even though they go through basic training, they go to war, uh, they do all these things. But if they, don't, if they don't do the right thing, if they don't get with the right people, they can be deported. And now with this recent ban, I mean, I'm telling you, if we don't, if we don't really look at what we're doing, we're going to have a lot of, uh, you know, military that have served this country and find themselves kicked out of the United States of America after being shot, wounded, uh, you know, family members who lost a loved one over, you know, overseas. And now they're stuck. And what happens to them? Well, yeah, no, do you I, deport them? I mean, right. come on. What a reward. How do we reward our military? You know, those that are fighting for this country. How do we reward them? Not to deport them. That's I mean, not the I, way to do How do, do you do that? I mean, you put your life on the line. And we say, hey, we got a deport card for you. Thanks for coming by. Appreciate you. Are you joking? That's, that's, that's is, not us. This is unbelievable. We want to hear a little bit from, uh, and we're going we're gonna to definitely play this clip. Uh, the Honorable Diane, Senator Diane Feinstein, uh, who we had a beautiful show, Lisa. Uh, she's recovering well uh, from her uh, medical situation and took a moment to say thank you to you and a just cause for remembering her. Yeah, she's doing quite well. And uh, I think it was it really seemed to mean a lot to her that we were thinking of her. We did send her an arrangement of flowers, uh, wishing her uh a speedy recovery, hoping that she's feeling better. And uh, she did write a letter and say that she's wanted to thank us for remembering her, for thinking of her. Wow. And it seemed to really uh, touch her and mean a lot to her. And her response touched me just as well. Oh, absolutely. And we want to hear from her. She actually chimed in. She's back at work uh, doing what she does best, and that's making a difference on this nation. Uh, let's hear what she had to say. Uh, she gave a very, I believe, important uh, talk, if you will, on the floor of the Senate. Let's see what she had to say. Uh, I I have come to the floor. Uh, We have just filed a resolution, uh, a bill actually, with 26 co-sponsors that would repeal uh, the immigration ban uh, placed by President Trump. Mr. President, President Trump's Muslim ban is unnecessary it's unconstitutional, and it's un-American, and it should be repealed immediately. The executive order prohibits individuals from Iran, Syria, Iraq, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen from entering the country. 
It even bars relatives of Americans from visiting. The order suspends the entire U.S. refugee program, and most egregiously, Syrian refugees are banned indefinitely, unless they're Christian. These provisions aren't what America is all about, Mr. President. <clears throat> First, the order is unnecessary. Individuals from the seven targeted countries and 150 other nations are already thoroughly screened. Visitors fill out visa applications. They submit photographs that run through biometric databases. Their personal information is reviewed, including names, addresses, and dates of birth. They're interviewed at a United States consulate. The process can take months to complete and eliminates the need for the travel ban. In addition, the move to ban refugees has no legitimate national security reason because these refugees undergo an even more thorough screening process that can take up to two years to complete. The vast majority of refugees are women and children who have experienced the absolute worst of humanity. Let us not forget the heart-wrenching image of the small body of Alan Kurdi, a three-year-old Syrian boy washed up on a beach, dead. I will never forget this small boy in his short pants, his shoes, and his socks lying on that beach. To turn away women and children and men in their time of dire need is not what this nation is all about. Let me make this point. The poor execution of this executive order has resulted in chaos and confusion. It is unclear whether the Justice Department or Homeland Security had any input. There seems to have been a disagreement about whether it would apply to green card holders. There was confusion about whether it applies to individuals already in transit or approved for travel. And even airport directors, and I have spoken directly with the director of Los Angeles International, San Francisco International, there was confusion about how it applies. And even airport directors were left in the dark about how many people were detained and who they were. Sara Yahani was one Californian caught up in this mess. She's an Iranian national studying at the California Institute for Human Science in San Diego under a valid student visa and being detained at LAS for 23 hours. She was sent back to Europe, a clear violation of the nationwide stay against the order. What I'm saying is that the court stay was actually violated. This is just one of more than 100 stories from the weekend. I believe this order is also unconstitutional. The First Amendment prohibits government from establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise of thereof. The order violates this First Amendment by targeting Muslims and favoring Christians. The order may also violate the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which forbids the government from burdening a person's exercise of religion. The law bars any discrimination based on national or origin in the issuance of a visa. And finally, detaining people at airports may violate their Fourth Amendment rights. 
This was an ill-considered overreach, as the court showed over the weekend, and it should be repealed. So the bill that 27 of us are introducing rescinds the president's executive order. The text is simple because the message is simple. We won't stand for these types of actions. In a conclusion, I'd like to say I'm so proud of the peaceful demonstrations we saw. And I join those who are so passionate about the free exercise of religion and free speech. These are our values, Mr. President, as a nation. And I'll be right there with you if anyone tries to violate them. Thank you, Mr. President. I yield the floor. Well, what do you say to that other than wow, wow, and wow? I'll tell you right now, and we thank Senator Feinstein for her words. Uh, William, they stick with you, and they're very much to the point. This nation is in unprecedented times, times we have not seen before. And I think we describe it best as a nation in chaos. That's true. At the end of the day. That's true. uh, Had an opportunity to see uh, Senator um, Schumer when these events unfolded. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was moved with emotion as I saw uh, the senator try to compose himself. I mean, Senator Schumer has been in office for a long time, done a lot of good things. And Lisa, when we talked about that, um, this is unprecedented. And the emotions of the American people are uh, are really feeling this thing all the way to our officials. And I mean, this is something that we have to really, we, which I believe the country is very serious about at this point. Uh, but when you see our elected officials move to tears like that and, and because of the people, uh, what does it do to you? Well, you know, Lamont, I think it just, it makes everything more, makes you realize how serious everything is right now. I mean, you're not looking at uh, members who are just fighting against this because they're Democrats or Republicans. It's got nothing to do with that. This is about America, and this is about what America is supposed to be. And I think a lot of the people who have who were elected into these offices that were that came in here to do good for the country, they're looking at things like this, saying, "Wait a minute, you're 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 tearing things up. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way our country was intended to be." And no one should be able to take that away from any of us, any of any American citizen, whether you're an elected official or just a regular citizen. No one should be able to take away from you what America is supposed to be. And that's what this appears to be doing. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you got President Trump attacking federal judges, calling them so-called judges. What is what is wrong? I mean, President Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton, Herbert Bush. They were challenged. Their stuff, their things were taken to court. You never heard a president attack the judiciary in the disrespectful fashion that President Trump has done. We're going to tell it like it is on this program. It's unacceptable. 
what you're going to have is some nutcase feels like in the statement being made that if a terrorist attack happens in this country, blame the judge who decided to challenge President Trump on this nonsense. Well, guess what? What message do you send as a leader of the free world to your citizens and those on the outside of this country to say the judge will be responsible? Therefore, what nutcase goes on and says, well, we got to stop the judge? Are you actually kidding me right now? Where, this goes back. I'm going to say it because it is the truth. We, they said it during the campaign. The temperament of the presidency is the number one uh, thing a person must have. Temperament. Temperament. That means restraint. This is unheard of. And Americans should cry out against this type of nonsense. I don't care if you're Republican, if you're Democrat, if you're independent. Somebody must stand and cry out against this nonsense. This is not a political stand. This is a right and wrong. How is it affecting our children? Well, there's no humanity. This is, un- this is unbelievable. I mean, it, it, what you're talking about, we're talking about lives being changed. We're turning people back at the shores. I was just sitting here thinking about... The little boy in August, we saw this picture go viral of the little boy in Syria that survived a bombing. He was sitting there with blood on the side of his head and ash. And, and it, the, I mean, the immediate outpour across the globe at, you know, this, these horrific acts of war. And now we're, tr- we're the country that people turn to and say, we need help. We need support. We need you, you to intervene. And now we're saying we're not going to come and help. Now, now we shut our doors. We're saying we're not going to let the opportunity to help this little boy or any little boy or any anybody have a have freedom, leave oppression, leave war, leave tyranny, and have a, a better life. We're saying no, not here anymore. Well, you have Russia responsible for a lot of these bombs. Absolutely. Not- Hiding behind, they are they're targeting ISIS, but in reality, they're not targeting ISIS. No. They targeted civilian areas. But we have a president in office who will not cease to sing the praises of a killer. Yes. And say that we're our own country. We're not innocent. We're not innocent. We're so not innocent. We're going to, ladies and gentlemen of America, if you made a mistake at the polls, a mistake has been made here. Absolutely. You can call it what you want to call it. Is this the type of America that you want? If that five-year-old Syrian boy showed up at your door, bloody and hurt, needing help, as you said, was the outcry of the, of the, on the Internet and social media that helped this young boy, this is what we're talking about right now. That same picture is what we're talking about right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a game. This is reality. The crisis. What is a crisis? A huge situation that needs help. America is in a crisis. The immigration problem, the refugee problem, we are in a crisis. How we act sends a message to the rest of the world. What message are we sending? We'll be right back. Coming back up on the other side of this break, another injustice that is happening in America as well. 
the wrongful conviction of the RP6. And I believe they go hand in hand. You're tearing lives and families apart through this nonsense. The criminal justice system in this country is also torn apart. The RP6, we deal with that on the other side of this break. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for them to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, where we seek to bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight has been a gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, tear-jerking conversation about the immigration crisis here in America that continues to spiral out of control. And we have been fortunate tonight uh, in having this discussion and discussing the things that are important. And we're talking about the most vulnerable of society. Uh, we are very grateful to Claudia Slavinsky, who joined us in this effort to bring a message that something has to be done. And Americans, I'm going to tell you right now, you do not have the right to remain silent. You don't have the right. Injustice on this magnitude, an inhumane treatment, that's the best way you can categorize it is unacceptable stay tuned as we will uh, no doubt discuss this topic uh, again right now we turn our eyes to the most horrific act of injustice that I have witnessed six patriots of America set out to protect the homeland not from refugees but from true terrorists that cause a threat to this nation they were singled out and targeted, along with Pastor Rose Banks, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. The injustices are so many, it would take multiple books to speak to them. Tonight, we speak a little bit to that issue. Right now, what you didn't know about the IRP-6. A just cause has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Serrigan about the IRP-6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church and my freedom. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange. 
I think it's still strange. It absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to. Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question, where is justice? It's far away. The RP6, David Banks, Gary Walker, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Clinton Stewart have pondered that question, where is justice? What you didn't know about the RP6 case is the question. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over. There you have it. Tough questions in need for answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where is she? The RP6 and countless thousands are seeking her out. What you didn't know about the RP6 story to be continued. Well, there you have it. What you didn't know about the RP6. Tonight we take a look at the heartbreak of injustice. Who are the victims of this injustice of these six men? Number one, the dire P6 themselves, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. These are men who, as a result of an injustice, were ripped from their families, their children, some their wives. How do we sit back and just, well, it just happens, and how do we become acceptable of this type of injustice? We talk tonight about the mothers, the tears that are shed at night from the day they took these men. Nobody wants to talk about that as we deal with the injustice. What do you say to the church family? who went in every Sunday, every Friday, every time the doors opened and hugged these men, and they were family. What do you say to the pastor who stood in a pulpit every Sunday to guide these men on the right path? These are the victims of injustice to the wife, to the children who go to bed, who wake up Christmas morning looking for daddy, are looking for my husband and he is not there. 
every church member who knew these men, who hugged their necks and supported them as they sought to keep America safe. William, these are the victims. That's right. Of this injustice that nobody wants to talk about. Tonight we talk about them. Your thoughts. It's sad. You know, what you call the men that were convicted, these, I call them friends. I call them brothers. You know, you look at the children, you look at the wives. The holidays now, we were over four and a half years, I believe, yeah. at this point. You know, when you're seeing the family events, birthdays, graduations, children driving for their first time. These are life-changing events that you experience as a child, as a parent. And now the loved ones is not there wrongfully, wrongfully convicted. And that's the tragedy of it. So you're watching your, your children get taller, grow older from a distance. You're watching your daughter drive for the first time. You're, you're, you're hearing about the good grades, the stories. You're hearing about the Christmases. You're hearing about the birthdays. You're hearing about these things, and you try, and they're trying to embrace it while being oppressed during their visitations. I mean, they can't even they can't even visit their families without being oppressed by the same system that wrongfully convicted them. So people need to wake up at the reality of how broke the system is. The spiral our country is going down. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. No, without question, I have the opportunity to visit David Banks, my brother. I was wrongfully convicted in this state seven years. When I see my brother, there's not a day, there's not a night when I get in my bed that I don't think of my brother. These other men are my brothers as well. I grew up with them. There are people suffering. I cannot tell you the tears. I cannot tell you the moments that have come wishing that I had the power to bring these men home. A just cause is about justice. Our fight continues and will continue until we find justice. Lisa, the price of injustice goes deeper than any value monetarily. It goes a lot deeper than that. Oh, it can never be measured. It can never be measured by money. That's not even possible. You're looking at, this is basically loss of life. They're alive, but they're not living. They're not allowed to live, even though they're still alive. It's just, when you take that away from a person unjustly, there is nothing you can compare to that. There's nothing that anyone could ever look at and say, well, this is like that. No, you can't do it. Because when when you're an innocent person and you've been locked up for absolutely no reason, that is not something that you and your family and your friends are dealing with and looking at the justice system that we, that we, that we live with that isn't justice. I mean, it's nothing that can be – you can't quantify it in dollars. You can't quantify it any kind of way except for that you lost a life. Without question. Cliff, uh, your brother, one of the RP6, your thoughts of the loss that you've suffered as a result of this? Yeah, you can't really explain it. I mean, um, I looked at my son. His He's uh, turned 16 today. And 
my son, Clint Stewart of the IRP6, his nephew. And I looked at him and said, you know, I don't, I don't even remember him growing up since we've been going through uh, all of this uh, from the time that IRP Solutions was raided in 2005. And he was about three years old, and we've been fighting this injustice ever since. And when you look at it, you say, okay, there's a, a life of a, a, a young man that's been affected. And, um, you know, all of the families in this situation, you say, okay, life is passing us by as we fight the battle to free these wrongfully convicted men. And the injustice of it all is, is really what, uh, what, what tends to make you have to remind yourself that somewhere in America, justice is hiding. Uh, we have to we have to uh, seek justice out. We have to find justice. We have to bring justice back to its rightful place. But somewhere in America, justice is hiding, and and we've learned through going through this ordeal uh, that that's the case. That everyone in America, everyone that's a part of the system, uh, is not out for justice. We've learned that uh, prosecutors are more out for keeping their conviction rate up above 95% than they are about justice. We found out that uh, judges like Judge Christine Arguello are about uh, themselves and their vendettas and their uh, ulterior motives instead of seeking out justice. And I think that's the, that's the thing that stands out to me the most about this, about this situation is that in America, you have to seek out justice instead of uh, justice reigning. Well, absolutely. Dennis. And my brother, uh, my blood brother went to prison and he went to prison because he, he did what he did. But, uh, and that, that was painful, but it was truly painful to my, my other brothers that's, that's in prison right now for something they didn't even do. And, and that truly hurts. No, without question. I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. Regardless of the price, the pain that we feel the battle marches on for justice. We will continue until justice is done. This is AJC Radio. Good night, America.